and welcome to today's podcast, How to Serve Self-Insured Employers Leveraging New Products and Innovative TPA Offering. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For information on joining HCAA, please visit our website at hcaa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that helps self-insured employers and their employees find meaning from their healthcare data. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. Before we begin, we would like to bring you a word from our sponsor, WLT Software. The future of benefit claims administration isn't a recent idea. At WLT Software, we know claims administration software because we've been perfecting it for over 40 years. To find out more, go to wltsoftware.com. Today, we have Ashok Subramaniam, co-founder and CEO of Centivo, to talk about how to serve self-insured employers by leveraging new products and innovative TPA chassis or offering. This is a must-listen podcast. As Ashok is a forward-looking, forward-thinking TPA, if you're trying to leverage innovation to deliver high impact to self-insured employers, this podcast answers some of the important questions about major disruptions in the industry around things like price transparency, unbundling of provider networks, strong relationships between brokers and TPAs, and the areas for you to focus on to clarify the true value to the employers. And frankly, you will get to learn where the puck is going to be over the next three years. So let's get into it with Ashok. Good morning, everyone. And I'm super delighted to have Ashok Subramaniam, CEO of Centivo, co-founder. The reason I'm really excited, I actually had him before on our podcast, and he had some great insights as a CEO of a TPA as to what you all need to do to, to serve the self-insured employer population. Uh, but before I get into any of that, why don't we hear directly from Ashok, why, what's his journey and, and why this uh, topic on overall differentiation is relevant for all of us. So Ashok, why don't you tell us a little bit of your journey and why our listeners should lis- listen to you. Yeah, Ramesh, thanks for, for having me again. So... I think the reason the last podcast was uh, was so much fun is we were mostly talking about football and a little bit less so TPAs, but we'll focus on TPAs today. It's a very dynamic time in the market, probably the most exciting time to be in the self-funded health industry in, in probably the last 20 to 25 years. My own personal journey, I started as a healthcare entrepreneur about 15 years ago, starting a company called Liaison. And we had a lot of data around individuals making choices for benefit programs inside of a group chassis. 
And what we found through that journey, in short, Ramesh, was individual people were willing to buy different kinds of benefit products, network configuration, plan design configurations, compared to what the industry believe people are willing to buy. And we'll explore that more over the course of this conversation. And in short, we just found that the market, mostly a large carrier fixed network market, is not as responsive to those individual consumer preferences as our data showed that there is demand for. And so when there's a problem, uh, that creates an opportunity. And we felt there's a new business opportunity here at Centiva. And Chuck, maybe if you could also expand, why did you start this Centiva business? It's a tough business, but serving employers. And But just tell us, why did you start this? It's a good question. It really all comes down to affordability. I look at where can, you know, myself, our team apply some of our knowledge, some of our skill sets. And, you know, I truly sincerely believe that a top three issue in this country right now is affordability of healthcare. It's a sobering stat, but in 1980, the average family paid $250 per person per year out of their pocket for healthcare. That number now is well over $2,000. And we certainly haven't seen, whether it's in wages or other forms of income, the ability to keep up with that kind of -of out-of-pocket inflation. So it's the lens of the person, the employee, the patient around affordability that really is our moral compass and is why we started the company. Wow. So you're going to make this more affordable. That's the goal. Affordability first. So as we are sitting today, September, um, what are some of the big changes happening in the TPA landscape right now? Two big changes. I think the first big change is the energy around transparency. And so just recently, a couple of weeks ago in the New York Times was published a headline um, that basically spotlighted that large carrier network deals aren't necessarily all that they're cracked up to be that um, small plans can negotiate better rates, that employers can, on a one-off basis, sometimes get better rates, and that there are a lot of other opportunities to drive value from contracting independently of a large carrier. So that type of spotlight and transparency creates an opportunity for employers to step back and say, well, why do we necessarily need an administrator that's tied up in the broad network, let's think about these components a little bit differently, which takes me to my second kind of megatrend is unbundling. So I think one of the things that employers who have been more activist in their approach to benefits purchasing have really, you know, identified and focused on over the last several years is how do I think of more of a best in breed buying strategy for every part of my health plan, as opposed to simply taking an off-the-shelf answer that's fully packaged. And if you put those two things together, the opportunity for value in contracting independent of a carrier and the opportunity for value in unbundling, those two things really take you right to, well, why wouldn't I use a TPA as the centerpiece of my health plan? Well, this is pretty interesting. I actually was uh, over the weekend in Long Island I saw this plane flying over the beach with a huge banner behind it saying something about price transparency, like we want price transparency. And I was like, my goodness, this has become such a, at least a regional issue, if not a national issue, 
that consumers on a beach should also know about this. So talking about this price transparency and this unbundling, how does that help the TPA? If you could dig a bit more into that, with these two trends that you talked about. Yeah, so one of the, I think, industry standard beliefs is that the best deals in terms of at a CPT code level, you know, what a transaction at a physician's office or at what's known as a DRG level, a transaction at a hospital, that the best price that you can get for that service is typically through a large carrier, a Blue Cross, a United Healthcare, a Cigna, and Aetna. And because ultimately there was not transparency, the best that we all could do was maybe piece together from self-funded employer claims, maybe look at benchmarks through organizations like Milliman and others that do some of this work. But it was shots in the dark, guesswork to determine what really those sources of value were and what those prices were. What transparency is starting to do, and I emphasize starting because by no means is this a completed process, but now it has become, and it's interestingly how bipartisan the push for transparency has been in Washington, both Democrats and Republicans very, very much in line and aligned on this drive, is that, again, not that there's full compliance, but hospitals and insurers are required to post the rates that they have agreed upon at that level of that CPT code, as I said, or, or DRG. So what that's now opened up, and again, we're in sort of the first inning of this work around transparency, but at the anecdotal level, we're seeing things like massive variation across plans. We're seeing things like self-pay or cash pay rates sometimes be higher, sometimes be lower than a contracted insurance rate. We're seeing things like major differences in cost or price across different service providers inside of a community, in some cases, a stone's throw or across the street from each other. So like any other business, those types of variations that are not linked to a basis in a structural cost or a quality advantage are ones that can be exploited by innovative benefit consultants and by TPAs to the advantage of the market. So so give me a sense of that price, not just the variance, but let's say if I'm a Buka, I am getting a surgery or CPT code for $5,000 or whatever number that might be. How much are you now able to get as a TPA, pure play TPA? There's always a danger in using sort of anecdotes because healthcare is not a series of anecdotes, right? (laughs) Healthcare is kind of a complicated set of episodes in, in a patient's life, in a family's life. And so we always have to keep that in mind when we cherry pick data or cherry pick examples. But with that preface, let's cherry pick some examples. So one example, there was a report in the New York Times about a Pennsylvania-based healthcare system and the rates for a pregnancy test. And the rates varied from $15 for that test all the way to $100 with lots of examples in between. Our rates, as we looked at our data from a Centivo perspective, are between $12 and $15. So at the low end, at the most competitive rate relative to the Buka carriers, and frankly, a little bit better. So that's a really good example. We've seen other examples, childbirth, not 
10 or 15 or, or $100, but in the thousands of dollars. And what we're finding there is, again, you'll see within a community, if you look at New York City, you can find rates that are $5,000 and you can find rates that are twenty dollars to $25,000. We're typically, again, it varies by hospital, it varies by site of service, but we are typically in that sort of $5,000 to $10,000 range, so well below the market. Those are two examples of very strong rates tied to a pure play TPA, but it comes back to Ramesh, and we'll pause on this, it comes back to a business strategy that's very much focused on how do we steer patients to those most efficient sites of care, because that's what the providers are interested in, not just giving a TPA better rates, but giving a TPA better rates that is sort of built for purpose to get more of that volume to that healthcare entity. And so you open a very interesting topic. So one thing is the rates. You get them great. You get them $5,000, $10,000 for that pregnancy or delivery. How do you steer people when people are going to only go by, my friend over here told me, this is the place to give birth? Yeah. It's one of the great challenges in the U.S. healthcare system for all of us who pull our hair out and hand wring about how do we lower cost? How do we improve affordability? A key part is there has to be a level of knowledge and awareness, and there has to be a level of behavior change. And there are literally billions of dollars that have gone into the market to address various levers to drive behavior change. Our opinion, my opinion, is there are only two levers that matter. Number one is the pocketbook of the employee. And number two is the advice that they're getting from their referring physician. And there's a lot of data and papers that show the impact of the referring physician on where people access care. So the way we drive at the fundamental problem is to really make it simple. A member gets the highest level of benefit, no deductible, free primary care, and very low and simple co-pays if they stay within a lane of these most efficiently contracted providers. Let's call them that tier one set of providers. And beyond that, they're required to take the advice of their referring physician if they want to maintain that highest level of benefit. So to your point, if I want to go to a hospital to give birth, and that's based on my neighbor's advice, that's based on a billboard, that's based on a Yelp review, I'm now going to be hit or miss with respect to what I'm going to pay out of pocket for that cost. If instead I stay focused on that tier one and follow the guidance of my primary care physician for any downstream care, then I am always going to get the highest level of benefit. And just to put a number on that, Ramesh, what we're typically seeing in our data is the average member is spending about 8% of total plan cost out of pocket. Put another way, for those of you on this podcast who are in this benefits industry, the term that we often use is actuarial value. The average actuarial value of a plan in America today is 77. And under Centivo, we've managed to achieve an actuarial value average of 92, a full 15 points more rich from a benefits perspective, so long as you follow those rules. Maybe explain this difference in actuarial value, 77 versus 90. What does that mean to an employer? It's really pretty critical. In an era of workforce challenge, labor market challenges to attract and retain, what it means really to be kind of direct about it is 
a plan that's a 77 is typically a high deductible plan. It's typically a plan that outside of preventive services is requiring meeting the first $2,000 as a single or the first $4,000 as a family in out-of-pocket expenses. A plan that's a 92 in our average is seeing a few things. It's seeing free primary care, as we said, a $0 deductible. And it's also seeing copays that range as low as $35 for a specialist visit to a few hundred dollars for a surgery. I'll give you a good example. One of our clients is an automotive dealership in Central Florida, and they had an individual have serious lymphoma, need several cycles of care, would have easily blown through the deductible and the out-of-pocket maximum on their old plan, costing this individual $5,000 to $7,500. On our plan, they were able to get all of their services taken care of at very high quality providers for less than $1,000. Big difference in out-of-pocket cost for that person who makes $35,000, $40,000 a year. So a big focus on this tiered kind of network approach with the right kind of plan design structure. Maybe share with us, she gave me the individual example of savings for that individual Maybe at an aggregate level, how are you seeing this? Are you seeing people, members, A, signing up to these plans, B, they are using those providers within that tiered network? What are some of the challenges that you are seeing as you are promoting these tiered networks? One clarification, the networks aren't always tiered. So I was using tier one as as more of a term of art the providers that are designated as the highest value, I sort of called them tier one. So sometimes it's a tiered network, but oftentimes it's the network. So if you stay in that preferred lane, you get the highest level of benefit and, and everything else is really treated out of network as opposed to, except for emergency care, for example. So there are different ways to deploy these types of solutions, just to clarify that. But Ramesh, to, to answer your question directly, We find that members individually are willing to make significant changes in the perception of patient access. So a a different thickness of their provider directory, as I like to say. And by the way, Centivo hasn't invented this by any means. So large employers have directly contracted to get better value in exchange for smaller differentiated networks. Kaiser As an example, any employee in California who has an option for Kaiser clearly makes a choice to have a different look and feel to their provider network experience compared to a broad national PPO type network. So there are a lot of examples of this. I think where the change has to happen is less at the member level and more at the employer level. So, so much of employer decision-making, whether it's human resources, CFOs, and frankly, owners and CEOs of employers as well, has been focused on how do I give everybody something that looks and feels the same? How do I minimize disruption? How do I cater to my average population? I think what we're finding increasingly in the 21st century, that technology, that communication, that personalization can help employers who embrace it take more of an approach to workforce segmentation? How do I get my employees who have different needs the ability to cater to those different needs as opposed to saying, I'm going to give everybody the same flavor of peanut butter? 
That has been, in our experience, the greater challenge is helping employers recognize the value of choice and difference as opposed to offering the same thing because it feels easier, it feels more convenient, it feels that there will be fewer complaints if I offer everybody the same tried and tested solution that they perceive to be the one that their employees want. So, Ashok, this is a great kind of point. This is where benefit consultants can play a strong role as well. So can the HR teams and CFOs. How are you tackling that challenge, which sounds like it's an employer and TPA broker kind of discussion-led Benefit consultants are the key, so much so that we at Centivo have made a choice not to work with every benefit consultant under the sun, but to work with those who have strong evidence of, number one, promoting innovative solutions, number two, leading with self-funded solutions, number three, understanding the value of independent TPAs, number four, understanding that provider differentiation is the key to unlocking affordability for the next five or 10 years. One example from our last business is we learned that over time, the right benefit advisor would lead to better results for their clients and better results for our business by really being a good matchmaker of clients and solutions. As we like to say, there's not that there are bad solutions, but there are bad fits. And it's the role of that good advisor to make sure that the fit is appropriate There's been a big shift in benefit consulting and benefit advice giving in the last 10 or 20 years. Initially, it really started with, let's just spreadsheet premium as if we were shopping property and casualty insurance. That then shifted to tools and resources to help employers with compliance, to help employees with communication, to help them navigate choice, to help them navigate voluntary benefits and and the various options that are there. So there's really been this sort of first paradigm shift from employer-focused resources to employee-focused resources on behalf of the benefit advisor, I think what we're now going to start seeing is provider-focused resources. Those benefit consultants that deliver the most value for the next several years are going to be ones who have core capabilities and competency and facility, agility around these concepts of transparency, contracting, how the raw material costs of healthcare actually get built up, not simply spreadsheeting a bunch of premium quotes being delivered by the large national insurers. Yeah, and I guess the whole, not just price transparency regulation, but the availability of all of that data, we certainly hope that two, three years down the line, will just create a lot more clarity around, okay, who are the providers and it'll put people in check. It's absolutely right. So I'll give you a good example. We work with a grocery store in the Northeast. And as we were in the process of getting to know the company and as they were exploring various alternatives, the benefits advisor in this case just did a really good job taking information that was available in the open market, as well as some other resources that we had at our disposal, and helping make very clear to the employer the various trade-offs that were available. Very simple example. There are two healthcare systems, as the RAND Corporation study that's been reported on showed. There are two healthcare systems in the Connecticut market that are appreciably more expensive than the others. And so by definition, if you were to rebuild a high-performance network that did not include those two entities, you would save as much as 30% right out of the gate in the network configuration for an employer that does business in, in the state of Connecticut. Those are examples of things that most advisors, at least today, would not be able to speak to and highlight 
over the next five years, I would expect that that's going to increasingly become table stakes in terms of the type of vocabulary and analytical tools that benefits advisor is going to need to have. So I think as we talk about the benefit consultant and you talk about the changes there, what is the role going forward a good benefit consultant can play? And maybe if you could, what are the key questions they could be asking, not just the TPA, but carriers as a whole, so that they can do a better job along these lines? Big questions, no surprise. But I think there's a couple of key things. So I think the first is, We've seen the very best benefit consultants, and I mean this at an individual level, not necessarily at a firm level, the very best benefit consultants are increasingly thinking locally. So what I mean by that is they're moving past an analytical framework that says, on average, over the course of 50 states, carrier XYZ has a discount advantage over carrier ABC by 0.3%. Instead, they're really looking at in the Philadelphia MSA, in the Phoenix MSA, in the state of Indiana, here's what we see. So first is really need to recognize it's often said healthcare is local, but usually the sentence ends, healthcare is local, and all of the analysis done by the consultants revert to being national. And I think the first step is to really drive towards, okay, if healthcare truly is local, we need to start thinking about this county by county, MSA by MSA, as we offer advice to clients and purchasers. I think the next point then becomes, once you do that type of analysis, it becomes a whole lot less important to focus on the national carrier as the answer And much more important to think of the independent TPA as the administrative chassis or the administrative platform to bring value of those more localized solutions. So these things really fit hand in hand. If one believes that at the end of the day, the best way to purchase healthcare is through a national carrier network, well, the reality is independent TPAs can add value atop a national carrier network, but less so. If instead a bespoke solution, a directly contracted solution, a solution with proprietary networks is determined to be the right way for that employer to offer healthcare to their employees, well, then it's almost impossible to do that and use a traditional carrier as the solution. An independent TPA has to rise to the top. Maybe just to put this in context, you talk about Buka carriers quite a bit. How do you recommend TPAs could compete with these Buka carriers and win business against them? Again, a a really important and really good question. It's something that we're seeing quite a bit more of. So we're seeing, obviously, opportunities where Centivo is winning, but we're seeing others. We're seeing independent TPAs winning across market segments. Historically, some of the cases have been either very small or very specialized, such as public sector, labor-type opportunities. But we're seeing large companies of all sizes really move to offering independent TPAs as the answer. So my advice to a TPA is focus on a value proposition that's not simply, we're really good at service, we'll respond to you, and everything else is the same. Service is important. Don't get me wrong. Service is extremely important. But service alone is typically not viewed as a winning proposition to move away from a large carrier. And so 
what I always seek to emphasize is, is there a product advantage that the TPA can offer? And that can be in the area of contracting. It could be in the area of networks. It could be in the area of technology, user experience, um, experience when it comes to claims routing, claims editing, review. There are a number of different features and components that the nimbleness and the agility of the TPA can offer as an advantage to as opposed to the large carrier, but it needs to be communicated very clearly, very crisply, and it needs to move away from, oh, we're all the things a carrier is not. That usually might win a case or two, but it's not a winning argument. The winning argument is, here's what we do, here's why it's important to you, and here's why it's better than what a carrier does today, and it's usually tied to either financial performance or member experience. But, you know, I would argue, Ashok, and you go to a national carrier, even a strong regional carrier like Tufts Health Plan, they will say they have tiered network. They have plan design to go with it. They have portals, member experience, UX design. They have these integrated programs. So employer, who is the employer going to believe here? It's a really good point. First of all, all those things are true. Carriers have a number of those things. What carriers increasingly are susceptible to, though, is that they lack clarity of focus and a point of view. So they may have a lot of these things. They may be able to use them sort of defensively, but what they don't have is sort of the ability to say, this is what we really focus on. This is how we drive results across our book of business by hammering a couple of nails as opposed to trying to be all things to all people. So that becomes, I think, an an area TPA can say, if you like or believe in other things, feel free to use other players. But what we really believe in is is X. Again, those examples I shared earlier, financial networks, member experience, technology, claims cost control, et cetera. In the example that you give, one of the things that we've had good experience with relative to the other TPAs and the other carriers is to say, by virtue of using contracts that we've developed with healthcare partners, not only is there a financial value to it, but there are things that we're able to help deliver through having a better, more proprietary relationship with those healthcare partners. Examples being, if you have a need, if you have to get in the next day to see a doctor, you know, we can elevate that to the right contacts. Uh, examples being, if you need sort of a second opinion from someone in the healthcare system, you don't need to buy another tool to do that. We can find resources to make sure that you get that. So things that are usually available to really large companies that can now be made available to small and mid-sized companies through a TPA type relationship, those typically also resonate very well with buyers in the community. And the last thing I'll say to Ramesh, and I'll stop here, is to your point of believability and who's going to like recognize that, that's why the benefit consultant is so critical. The benefit consultant can literally change the flavor of an RFP by saying, here are the options, I'm going to sit back and be neutral, versus I too, as a consultant, have a point of view. And my point of view is that independent TPAs drive better value in these ways. And for you and for your employee base and for what you're trying to achieve, your goals, your objectives, this would be my recommendation. That's a very powerful way to help separate the wheat from the chaff. And it really does rely on those good, clear-eyed, clear-thinking advisors. Oh, this is great, Ashok some good pointers here, nuggets here. So if 
a TPA who's, let's say, been thinking about these contracts, unbundling, and wants to leverage price transparency, transfer going forward, work for the right brokers, what are the three steps they could take from here to get where you describe this nirvana and compete and win against the bigger players? Yeah, I think one thing TPA should all embrace is the fact that for the most part, there are some large roll-ups and others that have different expectations, but for the most part, sort of embrace being small, embrace being not needing to sell 500 new pieces of business in order to have a good year. I think there's sort of a value and a virtue to having sort of low to moderate expectations in terms of what success looks like. And it becomes very hard once companies become big, you, you start to have to behave like a carrier by definition. So the first is embrace who you are and don't try to be all things to all people. I think the second is we are entering a very exciting by benefit nerd standards, but a very exciting time in this industry between transparency, between increasing regulatory complexity through CAA and other measures. The fact that healthcare affordability is sort of this huge crisis means there's more attention being paid on the actors in this industry than ever before. And those problems lead to opportunities for those who are willing to try to take advantage of those. And then I think the last part I would make, though, is that relationship between the TPA and the benefit advisor, as I think we've talked about on this podcast, is so critical. And what's worked for us, this may not work for everybody, but what's worked for us is find a small set of partners. Don't try to be all things to all people. Don't try to convince every benefit consultant or benefit advisor that your solution is better than Blue Cross or United Healthcare. The reality is you just won't pass the believability test with everybody. We certainly haven't. But when you find a good stable of committed partners, um, it can really help drive great results. And uh, that's worked particularly well uh, in our case, Ramesh. Those are great. This is fantastic, Ashok. Last question, any kind of shameless plug that you may have for Centivo, more like a message to the broader community from Centivo, whether it's the brokers, the employers who are listening to this. One of the things we probably don't talk a lot about, but the name Centivo, it comes from a play on words, the word incentive, that the incentives in healthcare have been misaligned across employees and employers and, and providers of, of healthcare. And those misaligned incentives have led to this uh, affordability crisis and cost crisis that uh, we've been suffering from for, for over a generation. So one of the things that we just really try to focus on is how do you get win-wins? How do you take the waste and inefficiency that we all know exists in the system and make it work on behalf of, of all of us? It does force some tough choices. It forces trade-offs. It forces decisions on you can't have everybody in the network if half the providers in the network are excessively expensive and have uneven quality. But the message that we would just offer to everybody is to take some of that energy around those opportunities, the problems, the waste, and, and make it work on behalf of your stakeholders. Again, each of you will have to do it in a way that fits your own vision, fits what you're trying to achieve as, a, as an organization. The answer won't be the same for everybody, but it really will take a thousand flowers blooming to help address some of these problems that we have. The one beautiful thing about the TPA market is, yes, there are a lot of TPAs out there. Yes, we compete in some broad degree, but most of our competition has been with traditional actors. We don't bump up against TPAs that much. And so I do think there's room for a lot of us to win together. That's a great message to finish off with. 
how should our listeners get in touch with you and connect with you? Easiest way, just ping us on, on our website at www.centivo.com. All of those messages get to me pretty easily. Um, alternatively, you can feel free to email me at Ashok, A-S-H-O-K, at Centivo, C-E-N-T-I-V-O.com. Great conversation. Thank you so much, Ashok, for your time today. Thank you, Ramesh. Thanks for having me, and thanks for uh, everything that you're doing for the TPA market. Pleasure. Real pleasure. And I would like to thank WLT, our sponsor of this show. Please join us again for another podcast in the series brought to you by HCAA's Voices of Self-Funding. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people. And tell us about topics that we should bring to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar of Zaki Point Health. Thank you.